Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G. Welcome you back to this episode of the show where tonight it's a Demonic Dean's film pick of the week. We're going to be talking about Operation Wolf Hunting from 2022, Project. directed by Project. Kim. Project Wolf Hunting. See, that's what I get getting confused by. Because I kept fucking entering it in as Operation Wolf Hunting, and I'm like, why the fuck is it coming up? But it is production. <laughs> Project Wolf Hunting. It took me forever to find it because I kept putting in Operation, so fuck. Thank you so much. I, I, that's an honest mistake on my part. <laughs> I called it Project you also Wolf put Hunting Operation Hunting. in the Talking Terror title. People are going to look at this well, and say, what even is this show? <laughs> that could be edited. It's fine. Everybody makes mistakes. That's why pencils have erasers. But, yes, Project Wolf Hunting from 2022, directed by Kim Hoon-Soon. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. There's a lot of affectations in there. Uh, but, yes, Project Wolf Hunting. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I've been calling it that all week, so I apologize. It's been a long week, folks. Uh, we are not joined by the uh, ghoul tonight. He is seeing an early preview of Creed 3, so he's off seeing that, so good luck to him. But we, as you heard, we are joined by the demonic dean who picked this movie, Project Wolf Hunting. Yes. This is my pick. Project Wolf so. Hunting. Project. Project with a P, not Operation with an O. Uh, project with a P. Well, but I will make the proper edits. I will make the proper edits later before the episode goes live. So everybody's like, oh, yes, project, not operation. You know, because I don't know why I kept calling it operation. I kept thinking like a military movie. But uh, so yes, we're joined by the Dean. We'll be talking about his film pick later on in the episode. We're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince of Moore's Day. Yes, get funky with a monkey. Oh, yeah, Fright Fans. And I hear we are the terrifying trio of Talking Terror, your go-to podcast for hard news, nerdgasms, and movie reviews. The podcast that comes in your ears live every Wednesday night from 9 to 11 p.m. But you can also catch any of our hundreds of older episodes down in the Talking Terror box that are always available on Blog Talk, Spotify, and iTunes, baby. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram. What's up, my friend family? <laughs> What's up? What is up? I love the energy. I love you bringing it. And I just made the proper edits to call this episode Project Wolf Hunting. So when the people are going to download it, they're going to be like, that's the movie. That's the movie. I heard, I heard the key strokes. <laughs> yeah, you did. I know. You heard the click because I'm changing it. You know, I had to change it. And the funny, the funny thing is, is that I put in the hashtags Project Wolf Hunting, so I have no idea why I fucking put Operation Wolf Hunting for the title of the episode. The hashtags come later when you create the episode. It's like the last thing you do before you create it. So I don't know where my mind was at. He keeps thinking this is like a Clint Eastwood movie we're going to be covering. Yeah, I mean, it's an escape movie, you know? I mean, it's not quite escaping Alcatraz, but... 
<laughs> where, where eagles dare. <laughs> yeah, not one of those. But so yes, yeah, so the proper corrections have been made. So apologize to everyone out there who just wants us to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I admit it. Apologize Rarely to me. Am I ever perfect? I apologize to you, too, Dean. I'm, I'm so sorry for letting you down. You. I mean, you, you're picking up host duties tonight. Thank I mean, that's a big fucking deal. You got to be in the green room for a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, it's been a wild one so far. So we'll be talking about, oper- uh, again, no, I'm not operation, project. God, no. Jeez. Fix that. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Get with it, King. Get with it. It's project, not operation. I don't know. But literally, I was looking for the movie earlier this week to watch it, and I was like, why the fuck is it coming up? I was like, it's fucking Operation Wolf Hunting. Why? Nobody knows about this movie. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's a project. So then I found it. Oh, okay, you, you know why? Okay, I, I'm willing to bet, all right, King, that you're getting flashbacks mm-hmm. to fucking NES games, and you're thinking fucking Operation Wolf. Oh, that's well, probably where you're thinking this shit, yeah. dude. Yeah, I did like that fucking game. It's probably one of my heads with that. I, don't know. I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, we'll talk about it later on in the show. I had no idea what the fuck I was getting into. I'm like, oh, Operation Wolf Hunting is probably like werewolves, and it's an operation, but it's actually a project. And I'm like, okay. It's all over the place. <laughs> but before we get into, like, horror news and we get into all the fun stuff that we talk about before the movie, uh, first things first, on my docket, uh, this Saturday is the first roller derby game of the season. Dutchland All-Stars will be playing against the Scream Queens and, of course, the lovely Marie, who listens to our show and for some reason likes me. I don't know why. Uh, she is on that team. Marie Antoinette, 1793 for life. She is playing this Saturday. I'll be going to see her. But I know she listens. I wanted to pump her up. Let's fucking go, Dutchland. Like, let's show Scream Queens what we can do. You guys are fucking amazing. She is one of the best blockers I've ever seen in roller derby. So. I cannot wait to cheer right, her well, on. Slow uh, down Saturday. with that question for right there. And I feel the need to jump in and say this when you say the best that you've ever seen. King, in, in, in the spirit of how we do things here at Talking Terror, transparent, sure. how many blockers in roller derby have you actually seen? <laughs> I've seen all on, no, I've seen plenty of games on YouTube from various different teams. Marie shared videos of, of different matches that she's been in. And I've seen different blockers on different teams. And I just think that she is the best because she gives a clothesline like nothing else. Like, I've shown the video to Monkey of her clotheslining somebody to fucking Sky Daddy. Dude. Amazing. And I'm oh, like, man. <laughs> oh, man. I, I felt sorry for that girl, man. It's like, you know, because everyone sits there references the movie Whip It and shit like that. Man, she literally mm-hmm. did fucking whip that shit. Literally spun around and took, and took a chick out and damn near fucking took her head off. I mean, and I was like, uh, holy yeah. shit. And I was like, is that legal? Yeah. He said, nope. That's, that's why the ref's coming over and telling her to go to the box. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just took her out. I thought her skates came off. I was like, oh my God, she's dead. I was like, the way she fell, I was like, oh no, you committed a murder. But no, she was fine and she went on. But yeah, I, I can completely say that she is the best. I'm, I mean, she's much more modest than I am. Like, I have no problem saying it, but I just can't wait to cheer her on. I mean, she's a fan of the show. She's somehow a fan of me, so kind of happy to do it. So, I'm excited. Yeah, she does actually. Listen. Great block, and she's a huge fan of the Great team. blocker, <laughs> legal blocker. Uh, maybe not yeah. so much, but <laughs> well, we could debate the term legal. Um, and she's a huge fan of the Dean, as I said before. She loves the demonic Dean, so you know we got to give her credit for that. For some reason, you're her guy uh, well, on the show. Well, two, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> 
Yeah. You catch, she gets all the credit. No, she's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not so much a fan of the king or the monkey or the ghoul. She's just all about Dean. So I was like, great, you know, have it. Have at it. She loves it. Loves his picks. Loves his attitude. So keep it going with that. Um, so, yeah, good luck Damn to Dutch on Saturday. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> and secondly, uh, I did go see Cocaine Bear on Saturday. Uh, the ghoul did as well. We did talk about it through text. But, man, what a fun fucking movie. It promised it delivered everything that I wanted. And that ambulance scene in the trailer, oh, my God. It was like the highlight of the fucking movie. Like, I was like, Jesus Christ, I was like, this is the best part. <laughs> you know? And that bear ingests so much cocaine. And there's so many surprises in the movie. And Ray Liotta, for it being his last film, like, not a bad movie to go out on. Cocaine bear. Because he was just doing Henry from fucking Goodfellas the entire time. He was literally oh, really? just acting like his character. Goes, oh, yeah. It was just, he was just doing Goodfellas the entire time. Like his swagger, the way he would say his lines. Like it was just nothing but Henry Hill the entire time in Cocaine Bear. Um, and oddly enough, I mean, the theater was packed, but there was a lot of fucking little kids there. I was surprised. What? <laughs> like, wow. There was so many balls I mean, in Cocaine I, Bear. You know, I haven't seen it yet. And the from what I gather... I don't think that the general consent. One, it's got a funny title, right? So, like, even like my kids yeah. at work are like, "Oh, cocaine bear." There's like a million cocaine bear jokes going around amongst the younger set right now, and I just I feel awesome. that um, <laughs> I, I I haven't seen it, but from what I understand is that there is definitely a large amount of graphic violence, and I don't think the yeah, general uh, knowledge of that is of how graphic it is. Uh, hence maybe the bringing of kids. That would be one theory that I have. It could be. I mean, it's a rated R movie. You know, it says it right there. It's not yeah. like it's PG-13. And they do go heavy on the gore when it gets to the gore. But so, yeah, I looked around, and I was like, why? There are a lot of kids in here. <laughs> I was like, well, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't judge uh, parents. If you want to bring a rated R movie, go ahead. You know? I mean, that's, man, that's you, not my you, kid. You, <laughs> you stay classy, America. <laughs> Never change. The rated Never R, change. R movies, like... Cocaine Bear. It's a, okay. See, <laughs> yeah. I could get it if you were like taking them to like a legacy piece, like you know, um, you know the the new Scream movie that's coming out. I don't know if it's going to be rated R or PG thirteen, but I could. R. But I could kind of. Okay, but you know, so I can kind of see a legacy piece like that. But then when you've got something that straight up says Cocaine Bear in the title, and then you have the trailers going on where they're not shy about it, it's just like, oh, come on, parents. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we love horror well, on I mean, this show. It's what we do, you know, but at the same time, it's just, ah. Uh... <laughs> but even a legacy movie have... like Scream, it's rated R. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be a guy in a mess killing fucking people. Like, I could take uh, a teenager, like a 12, maybe 13-year-old, but if I see an 8-year-old in Scream 6, I'm be like, all right, <laughs> why? Like, what is, what is this? Did you not find a babysitter? Is that what it is? Couldn't find a sitter. Did really want to see Scream Six? Or like, all right, Timmy, come along. I don't want to see Scream Six. Well, I do. Come along. Okay. And fucking, they're gonna sit there and cover their eyes the entire time. Whereas Cocaine Bear, yeah, it's got a funny title, Cocaine Bear. It's like, but I can't imagine a mom looking through the ads going, like, "Ooh, Cocaine Bear. That sounds cute." Like he's a little Cocaine Bear. I mean, maybe he just does a little cocaine and then he runs through the woods and he creates a bunch of business plans. And then there might be a rabbit or something or a funny little deer, and they all do cocaine and then together. He wipes and then they go with the rabbit. 
<laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'm sure little Johnny and Susie will be okay seeing Cocaine Bear. I mean, I mean, how gory can it be, right? I mean, it's probably going to be fun. It's probably just going to be like a little splatter here or there. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, holy shit, there's so much blood. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, so, I, yeah, it was just a and not thing. once, yeah, and not, not once through the promotion of this film. Did they try and pull any cutesy commercials or anything like that, like you were saying, playing off on it? All, all, all the no. trailers were fucking hard, you know, so it's not like they yeah. tricked anybody. No, they weren't fooling anybody. They knew what they were doing. I mean, you got white lines in the trailer, and it is used in the movie, and it's, just, it's a lot of fun. Um, the soundtrack is awesome. They do play some cool 80s PSAs because the movie does play, take place in the 80s, so you get to see Pee Wee Herman <laughs> crack. This is crack. Don't try it. I'm like, oh, man, remember that one. I remember when Pee Wee Herman was talking about don't do a crack. And then he did crack. And then he masturbated in an adult movie theater. Yeah, but who wasn't masturbating in an adult movie theater, okay? He just happened to get, be the one that was the example. Yeah, so it's just, it was fun to see that. But um, And then lastly, what I wanted to talk about, too, we did cover Studio 666 uh, recently. It was my pick on the show. And I just saw an article and posted it to the group chat about how last week Dave Grohl spent Wednesday to Thursday cooking a barbecue for over 500 homeless people. Just spent all that time Wednesday to Thursday during the storm that L.A. had cooking a barbecue for over 500 homeless people. I think that's fucking the hero we need, Dave Grohl. Like, like the monkey's always said, he's a hell of a fucking nice guy. <laughs> it's like, dude, he's such yeah. a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, the the couple of pictures that I saw, it looked like he was actually reluctant to be seen in those pictures. He was just there doing his thing, trying to, you know, d- do a nice thing for people. And, again, we catch another joke here that we didn't catch in, you know, from Studio 666 is, you know, them constantly cracking on him about his cooking skills. And then here we see that he actually <laughs> fucking loves the barbecue. Like, you know, he has, he, you know, personally owns these huge-ass smokers because he constantly loves cooking. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, no, he can't cook with a fuck. You know, is another joke that we just apparently missed from Studio 666. Yeah, it was just very cool, you know, just showing you how nice of a guy he is. Like, they're like, he took a little nap in his trailer for a little while, then he came right back out and started cooking court, you know, all these different ribs and pork butt and shoulders and all this stuff. And just amazing to see that there are good people out there, you know, especially a rock star like Dave Roll, but we've seen it before. He's just a sweetest guy inviting people on the stage and just talking kindly to people. So that's great. Like, I love seeing shit like that. But with that being said, uh, Dean, I'm going to hand it over to you for horror news. Uh, what are we talking about tonight? How lucky am I? And We're all lucky when you're one. What, did you yeah. get to see Cocaine Bear too? <laughs> no, I, I have not. I'm not one of the lucky ones uh, that has seen it. I, not yet. You will. I, uh, I obviously want to really bad, but I have to, like, I have to look at my potential movie-going time because, obviously, Cocaine Bear, I want to see very badly, but in the spirit of, yeah, Creed 3. Uh, you know, absolutely, which right now, as far as the theatrical offerings, uh, takes high precedence uh, over overall. Yeah. So um, I hope yeah. uh, by the end of the weekend um, to have found a way uh, to see both. But if not, um, you know, by the by the end of next week, I would most likely have had the opportunity to, to see both. Um, but and, anyway, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, 
I, I'm not familiar with the Creed movies. Are they set in the Rocky universe, or is it, like, completely just taken yes, away, removed? completely set in the Rocky universe. In fact, uh, in the first two Creeds, like, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky is a, the, the second main character in both of them. Uh, really? Okay, I did uh, not so, know that. Yes, 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 really. Uh, in the first one, uh, you know, brief synopsis, no spoilers here, of course. Uh, you know, right, right. Uh, Adonis, Adonis Johnson... Um, you know, learns, you know, is a, is a troubled young man who learns that mm. uh, he, in fact, is the son of Apollo Creed, who Apollo Creed had with an affair uh, that he had on his wife. And he's actually, okay. like, when the movie opens, he's, like, 12 and in, like, juvenile detention and uh, constantly in trouble there. And, uh, you know, uh, Apollo Creed's widow actually comes and, like, takes young Adonis, like, under her wing to raise him, even though it's not her son. Mm. So he has all of the tra- oh, wow. he's raised like with all of the trappings of 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 the money and whatever. But and, like he he is educated and has been, and has a good corporate job. But he like is an amateur boxer that that fights in in Mexico under the name under his mom's name uh, Johnson, and uh, okay. he decides that pursuing fighting as a career is what he wants to do. So he goes to Philly and tracks down Rocky and tries to get Rocky to train him. Okay. And that was Creed one. So oh, okay. That was the first Creed. That was the, that was the, that was the first Creed. And then in the second Creed, which is like, they're both, I mean, the first one is, is legitimately like an excellent movie. Uh, like, like, okay. like, an, like an excellent film. Like, uh, Stallone was nominated for a best supporting actor Oscar for it. Um, like it's wow. like a serious movie, and the second one is serious too, but not a different. It's Ryan Coogler who did the first one, wrote it and directed it. Okay. So um, Coogler wrote, uh, had a hand in writing the second one, but did not direct. In the second one, uh, um, Creed uh, is now uh, is now the champion, and mm. in Exile, this is I love this. Exiled, this is it's just it's so great. Exiled from Russia, uh, uh, Ivan Drago has been raising his son what? to be a boxer <laughs> and played oh, by Dolph. Dolph is back. Wow. You guys really don't know this? Am I really telling you guys something? I you didn't. Know? I have no idea. Yes, I have oh, no crap. idea. I, I have so, not. I I have not seen no. any of the Creed movies. That's dude, what I'm asking. Dude, dude, dude. So so Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago has been raising his son in like barren. In, in the movie, in, like, the barren Ukraine at the time. It's, like, this barren, war-torn rubble city. I think it's Ukraine. Uh, maybe it's Bratislava. I don't know, somewhere like that. He was exiled from Russia after losing to Rocky. Lost everything. No Bratislava. And, uh, <laughs> and um, he, you know, Creed in the time since has, like, revealed the fact that he is actually a Creed. And, uh, you know, Ivan Drago gets wind of this and, like, brings his son to America to challenge, to have his son challenge the son of Apollo Creed. No shit. And, you know, Rocky, Rocky is in it too, and there's like a couple of great scenes between Rocky and Drago, and uh, and, and hmm. you know there, and then, and then there's the, and then there's the fighting, which is which is excellent. It's not as it's not as like a as like a serious of a film as the first Creed, but it's also great. Right. And what is so great about it, what it truly does, is that in hindsight, it makes. In, in like in thoughts and ideas, it makes Rocky Four a better movie because of the way they tie that, that yeah. they tie that into this. So so um, 
you know, so, yeah, so Stallone is in those two. Now, this third one that's out now, one, it is the directorial debut of Michael B. Jordan. And, right. Uh, so he's directing this one from from a story from, from the Kugler brothers. And uh, and Sylvester Stallone is not in this one. Um, oh, you know, okay. He had announced, uh, he had made, there was like, a, you can see it on YouTube. He like made a, a little speech on the set of Creed 2 when they were wrapping up filming that he felt that, you know, his time as Rocky is like come to an end and he's like passing it on to Michael B. Jordan and he wants it to continue, uh, you know, but he, he has, but he's not in it. They have not, uh, I don't know if they're going to explain in Creed 3 where Rocky is, uh, but there is, you know, there is closure to his story with what Rocky does at the end of Creed 2, um, but I don't know if he's mentioned at all in, in, in Creed 3. But uh, so I know what the plot synopsis is of Creed Three, but like the early buzz is that it's really fucking good, and that Jordan did a fucking outstanding directing job. So I'm stoked to see it. But wow, I'm really, I'm really shocked to hear you guys didn't mean nothing about the first two. Yeah, like Ivan fucking Drago is back, man. Dolph Lundgren is back. It's fucking great. Yeah, so yeah, because um, I I knew about like the Creed movies, but I honestly thought that Rocky Balboa for some reason, and I never saw it. I only saw the first five Rockies. I have no idea after Rocky Five what happened so i honestly thought that rocky balboa was uh apollo creed's son like challenging him to a fight in the ring and that was like, no, and then no, all of a sudden i'm like well, no, wait no there's not. creed movie okay mm-hmm. all right no, See, not, i never saw it i never saw rocky balboa so i have no idea uh yeah rocky okay. rocky balboa um was actually you know because in hindsight when you look at the first five rocky films obviously the fifth one is the weak link even though the fourth one is like an oh, arcade yeah. montage but um yeah you know <laughs> after, not after that and and some other stuff, like Stallone's at that point in time, like Stallone's career was kind of like down in the dumps, and he had been trying to like, you know, he had this idea for Rocky Balboa for many years, and like he had left, essentially laughed out of offices, you know, like the time has passed, and he finally finally was able to secure financing, and it's actually like it's actually another one that's like really fucking good. It it, it is much more in the vibe of the original Rocky film. Um, and it's, it's really, it's more of a, like a drama than like a, like a, like an action boxing film that they started to, that they turned into, um, you know, like he's old, um, you know, Adrian has long since passed away. Uh, he runs a, he runs oh, an Italian fun. restaurant in Philly called, called Adrian's. And, um, you know, mm. some, several things happen. Like his relationship with his son is kind of fraught. Um, and Paulie is still around, and uh, you know, wow. uh, you know, a couple a couple of things happen that make him decide that he wants to like try to fight again, but like, but like local, you know, like not heavyweight title fights, like locally, and kind of like the way the first Rocky movie opens with him fighting in a club. That's like his vision. Um, it doesn't kind of go that way, but it's it's really it's really worth a look. Like if you're into the series, like these are these are all these are like really fucking good movies, you know. And in fact, it was the Rocky Balboa film that kind of like brought his career a little bit back to the forefront um, from where it had been. Like before that, like truly like he was in a few movies, like he had started to end up in like the straight to the fucking, the straight to the VHS shelf uh, section uh, with a couple of movies that came out that weren't even in the theaters. Um, Oh really? I didn't know that. So yeah, yeah. Eyes wide. uh, No, not not eyes wide shut. Uh, There's something with eyes in the title. Uh, Something yeah. called Avenging I, I Angelo. See you. Yeah, I see you, uh, which has two oh, names. Okay, yeah, I remember that movie, weird yeah. movies. 
it's one of these movies that has two different titles. I think one of them is called Detox, and yeah, I See You. And then there was another one called like Avenging Angelo. This is like straight to video like nonsense. And uh, you know, then Rock right. Balboa came, and everybody was like, "Oh, that's right, Stallone." Uh, so they, 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 I'm not just saying this because I'm a fucking super fan. Like for real, these are like really right. good yeah. fucking movies. Really good movies. Yeah, I think continuum. Like I said, I dropped off after Rocky Five. Rocky, the first one, is my favorite one of all of them. Like I, I like all of the others, but Rocky, the first one, is such a great fucking movie from start to finish. Just telling the story of Rocky Balboa, the guy that nobody thought would ever get a championship bout with Apollo Creed, and he fucking loses at the end. I was like, what a great fucking move to have him lose but still be happy that he fought in the fucking match. Like he actually went toe to toe with Apollo, and really. Well, let's not him. remember like, like when he was when he had that last moment with Adrian in his apartment uh, before the fight. Like what he said was like all he wanted was to like. Be still standing right. when the final bell rang and not be known as not yeah. just another bum from the neighborhood. You know, like that was that was what mm-hmm. he wanted. He got what he wanted there. He did. And and he's so great in that first one. Just so fun. Like when he's trying to drive the car, he's like, yeah, I know how to drive a car. And then you just see him stepping on the brakes, stepping on the gas, has no idea how to fucking drive it. He's like, yeah, let's go buy some stuff. Like I just, I love him in that movie. Like he's such a sweet guy. Like I just, I, I bought it tenfold. And Rocky too is like, they're all good. Rocky, the first one's always my favorite. It's just, I could watch it whenever it's on and just enjoy it because it is just an underdog story from start to finish. But I'll have to check out Rocky Balboa and then the Creed movies. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's really worth it, man. It's really, really worth it. And, again, I'm not just saying this as a fucking super fan. Like, the first right. that and the two Creed movies, um, they're, they're really worth watching. You know, I mean, like I said, Stallone. Stallone, Mr. fucking Grunt and can't barely understand what he says sometimes. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for fucking Rocky Balboa. That's amazing. I mean, for the first Creed, I mean. The first Creed, not Rocky Balboa. Yeah. But, like, he got a fucking Oscar well, nomination. So, like, they're really good. But yeah, we are all not right. the Rocky yeah. podcast. If you want to hear your no. discussion <laughs> about Rocky, all you need to do is scroll back in our history anywhere you listen to Talking Terror, <laughs> and you can listen to the special two-part edition from the Ghoul and myself, the Sylvester Stallone That's retrospective, right. with, where part one uh, covered, oh God, I don't even remember the order, part one maybe covered Rocky, and part two covered <laughs> Rambo, or vice versa, I truly do not remember, it's been several years, but you can hear all of the Ghoul, and all of the Ghoul's thoughts, and all of my thoughts on, uh, on Sylvester Stallone as a whole, as well as uh, his two most famous franchises, uh, the Rambo and Rocky franchises, well worth a listen. But we're not here to talk yeah, about that. We're out. here to talk about some things related to horror. And really quickly, I just want to touch on the fact that Rico Browning, uh, the gill man from The Creature, from the Black Lagoon, had passed uh, away at yeah. the age of 1993, yeah. uh, just two days ago on Monday. Um, you know, classic universal monster. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we just, how could we not mention, how could we not mention that? Yeah, yeah. It's sadly hard. he he was he was the last one. You know, yeah, yeah, he was the last one yeah. of the Universal it's, Monsters, and, and uh, yeah, you know, and Monkey. I think you even sent him a card when they were doing that whole drive, when they're like send Riku a, a card or something like that. I think you even sent him one. Yeah, um, you know, um, you know, I never got any response or anything, but yeah, his daughter had uh, put out the message, you know, about a year ago that it's, you know, her father was 
you know, his health was failing and stuff like that. And for all fans to go ahead and just reach out to him, don't bother with emails, you know, actually write real letters, you know, and send actual stuff to him, let him know that he's loved and stuff like that. Uh, You know, but again, you know, (laughs) made it to his 90s. You can't really complain there, man. (laughs) Right? Yes. Ninety three. That's not bad. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I know how much of a fan and, you are of the creature, so that's why. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you know, I'm torn, but at the same time, it's like you know, but he had a chance to be, you know, part, you know, be one of these legends and to actually be a part of cinema history, and you know, <laughs> you know, th- thanks for creating part of my childhood. <laughs> Yeah, and I think he deserved more credit as being the creature, you know, especially for that time, doing all that underwater photography, all those choreography scenes. Like, people talk about Dracula and the Wolfman and Frankenstein, but not a lot of people mess around with the creature, and I think people need to. It's a great movie, the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, seeing what they could do back in the 30s, um, and Riku doing his job. It's amazing to see. Uh, highly recommend that. I know people don't talk about the creature enough, so I'm always willing to tell people, give it a chance. I know it's not Dracula or the others, but he deserves his place on that Universal Monster Mountain. Hell yeah. All right, Dean. So what's next? I will tell you what's next. In a similar vein, while nothing has been announced for certain, it seems that, unfortunately, sadly, we have also seen the last of Tom Sizemore. Uh, the mm, doctors, yeah. uh, he, he had a, he had a, he had a brain aneurysm, uh, about a week ago. And, uh, it's been reported, uh, that the family has been told that there's no further hope. Um, and so, according to reports, the family is now decided. And I quote, uh, the family is now as I, and I quote, deciding end of light, uh, end of life matters. As again, the doctor said, there's just no hope for recovery. So, I would imagine that um, you know his family is going to ultimately decide uh, to, to to turn off the machines. That's what I hope that my that, that that's actually in my legal uh, I I do have legal uh, wishes um, end of life mm-hmm. wishes that if I am ever in that situation I want the machines turned off immediately. Um, so I hope yeah. that uh, you know, his parents uh, did you do you have this did you do you make do you have a legal document did you like go through the steps to do that. I know this is not the happiest topic, but like, uh, no, no, but it's my plan, you know. Yeah, it's definitely my plan. Just fucking yeah, no, get rid of me. I, at some no, point, I'm not going to be a vegetable my entire life. No. Oh, don't yeah, worry, man. I'll, I'll, I'll just act, you know, fucking trip and pull the wire out of the wall. You don't, you don't even worry about that. <laughs> it's 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 going to happen whether you wanted it to or not. I'm just saying. Can I plug it back in? Can I put it back in? <laughs> oh no! Oh, unfortunate. Yeah, but that, no, that, I'll so be running. Around, I'll be running around in a panicky state, holding the wire as the doctors are trying to plug it back in, and it's, it's giving you enough time to where you can't come back. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, just wait a couple of seconds and then just run around with it. Going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be like a <laughs> you just get in that room, man. I hope so. I, I hope it's like that. I don't want it to be all sad and shit like that. Like put a pillow over my face. Let's do something. <laughs> you know, that's if my body is found and in a hospital with the way, you know, medical insurance is these days. I don't even know if I can afford a hospital room. 
Just be like, dude, I don't feel good. I think I'm dying. Well, I'll put a pillow over my head, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I ain't talking about such morose things like death. But, you know, I, I loved him in Natural Born Killers and Saving Private Ryan. So those are two fucking movies I would recommend if you want to check out Tom Sizemore and doing a great job acting. Sal. Always love him. Sal Del Vecchio, D-E-L Vecchio, uh, from Wesley Snipes' Actioner Passenger 57. That's right, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Underrated one. I actually really do like Passenger 57. Yeah, yeah, uh, man. I, um, yeah. Look, like he was, in, he was in a lot of good roles, and this is a guy who um, had severe problems with addiction that just, like, never was able to, to shake him, man. Uh, he just couldn't get the monkey off his back, and now he's in this unfortunate position and you know i hope i like i said i hope his family uh makes the compassionate decision at least what i think is the compassionate decision and and i, I was agree. curious when we were sitting around when we were sitting around during that like 10 months to a year of like strict lockdown quarantine uh we mm-hmm. um you know my my wife and i like on the legal zoom website like we created like our legal documents we we have our legal end of life uh wishes and wants uh for when this time comes and we just wanted to you know, given especially when it was still the early many months of COVID when nobody knew what the fuck it was and there was no vaccine and you know, right. people were fucking dying like crazy. We were like, let's just fucking go on the computer and pay the couple hundred bucks and, and have our wishes like, like, um, it's smart legal because God forbid something were to happen. Like the last thing we want is for like my parents to be like fighting with her over my fucking corpse laying alive with food. You know what I mean? So, um, oh, again, yeah. not yeah. the most pleasant of topics, but, but that is the, the case of what happened. But again, we're not here to talk about that either. Uh, we are here to talk about no, horror not. news. And what I can tell you is that The Walking Dead, Dead City, is officially going to premiere on AMC in June. Uh, it has been confirmed oh, okay. uh, yeah. that the Maggie Egan uh, series, where they will trek to Manhattan, uh, which has been cut off from the mainland for some time, uh, is premiering in June. Uh, it's long been thought that this will uh, play right after the finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, Lauren Cohen, who, of course, plays Maggie, has said that uh, this series with her and Negan uh, picks up uh, several years uh, after the events of The Walking Dead. Uh, there is no word on what will be the status of such of some import, of of a couple of important characters that were tied to both of these characters at the end of The Walking Dead, uh, but we know that Maggie and Negan make their way to Manhattan. So uh, that will be premiering in June, and I will be looking forward to it. Yeah, because you also got the uh, the Daryl in France uh, spinoff too, right? Yes, he ends up in Paris Europe. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Daryl, yep. Europe. Looking yeah. forward to that as well. And then I know production has started on the on the Rick Michonne, uh, Michonne series, which isn't anticipated to air until sometime deep into 2024. Um, but all of Damn. those things uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to. So, um, you know, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. We've been talking about Cocaine Bear. We talked about it at the top of the episode a bit. Uh, Cocaine Bear writer yeah. uh, Jimmy Warden. Um, was dead set on the title that uh, there was no way that this thing was going to be called anything else, anything else, even if there was uh, some studio grumbling. Uh, He said 
uh, very, that very cool. Um, right? He has, yeah, uh, he has uh, multiple ideas uh, for possible sequels. Although we did talk here on the show where Elizabeth Bank, Banks was talking about her interest in doing a cocaine shark. Uh, based on the, fee- the fan feedback, after all that <laughs> cocaine was found floating off of the ceiling. Um, that would also be awesome. In the world of, <laughs> yes. Also in the world of uh, cocaine, uh, cocaine bear, uh, the, the fine folks over at uh, Funko are getting in on the action with a bloody coked up bear treatment. They're putting out two I editions. I saw that, yeah. Uh, one... Uh, is going to be a bear uh, with uh, with a leg, like a disfigured, like a dismembered leg, and another one is going to be a figure of a bear sitting up uh, with a bag of cocaine. So uh, these figures, <laughs> I want that one. Uh, I want that one. Will be available uh, from Funko. So if the toys are your thing, uh, you can check in on on where you can acquire that. And also, in this uh, sort of related uh, mock mock movie masters at the uh, the asylum uh, have announced in summer, uh, their preview, uh, they will be releasing on the world their uh, cocaine bear knockoff called Attack of Meth Gator. Uh, So uh, you can look forward to that. Yes. Yes. They released they released they released the they released the poster. Um so you can look that up. But they will be releasing Attack of Meth Gator uh, later this summer. Oh. Meth Never stop asylum. Oh. The great folks that brought you Titanic to the asylum group. <laughs> they are kings at doing these parody movies and I will gladly watch Meth Gator. I mean there's a whole universe of, of drugs that we could give animals. You know, where's Cocaine Bambi? <laughs> like, let's see that movie. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think the people that were working on Blood and Honey are probably working on that one. <laughs> I'm sure they are, because they are working they on a Killer Bambi uh, movie. We talked about it. Yes. Yeah, so they are working <laughs> they are. on that. So, just give all the animals all the drugs in the woods, and let's just see what happens. It's about cocaine, oh, meth, crack. <laughs> like weed oh. koala. <laughs> you know, there's a whole bunch out there. All right, but Dean, what's next? What are we talking about? I will tell you that we are talking about that uh, later this month and just, uh, just in just about uh, two weeks uh, on video and demand and digital, uh, you will have the opportunity uh, to check out the documentary about drive-in movie theaters in the United States called Back to the Drive-In. Uh, this will feature uh, behind-the-scenes visits to 11 uh, drive-in theaters across the country, including L.A.'s Mission Tiki and uh, Field of Dreams Drive-In and Wealthleet in Cape Cod. Uh, they will feature... Uh, proprietors and customers uh, talking about their love of the drive-ins, owners talking about the stories uh, and, and trials and tribulations of keeping these, these theaters alive. Uh, so if you are interested in drive-in theaters, uh, March 14th uh, will be the time to check out Back to the Drive-In. 
That's very cool. Yeah, drive-ins are, became a big thing after the pandemic. And, and just real quick, after uh, Cocaine Bear, we talked about that. I wanted to real quick just say to TA, faithful listener of the show, went to see Cocaine Bear. He loved it. So I just wanted to say, TA, I'm glad you loved it. I loved it, too. Uh, next up on the docket is Scream 6 and, of course, Renfield and People That Rise next month. So great time to be a horror fan. Thanks, TA, for checking in. Thanks for listening. All right, so let's move on. Cinemark is now accepting international pre-orders for an officially licensed Ghostface popcorn bucket uh, for the price of 1999. Uh, Awesome as it may sound, you are not going to have these in time to bring them to the theater to see Scream 6 because they do not expect to ship until August. Uh, They have also been selling... Yes. Uh, They have also been selling... Uh, ghost face plushies and beverage buddies uh, uh, tied in mm-hmm. Scream Six as well. So you can have your ghost face popcorn bucket, but you will uh, by the time it gets there, you'll be bringing it to see Scream Seven. Uh, so you know, <laughs> act now, act now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Just in time for Scream Seven because you know it's going to happen. But yeah. They are very cool buckets. I might actually buy one. I don't mind waiting until August because they do look cool, but like, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I'd love to see that in August. You get them, and it's like Scream 7, December. Like, whoa, ready? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go. So I'm ready with my Bring popcorn. my bucket to theater. <laughs> and, Scream 7 And it's just Canada. weird that a- AMC, you know, missed that opportunity or, you know, and didn't bother to jump on something like that. As, yeah, you would think they would be the first ones, but no, Cinemark did it first. I mean, now AMC is offering their popcorn at home. I saw that in Variety, that they're offering uh, oh, bags yeah. of their popcorn that you could buy in the stores. I'm like, ah, it's fucking popcorn. <laughs> like, it's like AMC popcorn just tastes like regal popcorn. Like, it's just nothing new, but they're like, oh, we're going to sell it. We have different flavors. and That's fine. They should have been on top of the screen thing, you know, and, and got something going. But Cinemark is the place to do it. I, I wish more theaters would do that, you know, do these promotions. They used to back in the day. They don't really do it anymore. So it's kind of like weird that the way Cinemark's doing it. You know, I miss when you used to be able to get the free posters. I don't remember if you guys remember that back in the day when you go to the theater to see a movie. If it was big, they would have like a poster that you could bring home free. They would just have a waiting for you in the lobby. Like I remember for Batman movies, they always had the free posters or like comic books that you could just take home with you. But now theaters are just like, yeah, we're over that. It's a big markup. We can't do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because what was the big promo thing that was uh, you were trying to get for Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh, the the Ecto One uh, popcorn tub. Oh, that's right. Because they had <laughs> yeah, they had Ecto One popcorn tub, and they like they were like, oh, we're going to have them in theaters, but it wasn't anywhere near me, and I couldn't get one. They weren't doing what Cinemark is doing and selling them online, so I kind of missed out. But I was like, fuck. So it was like one cool promotion by AMC, and that was it. So it seems like Cinemark is the way to go. But all right, Dean, moving on. What else are we talking about? Jennifer Nettles, the country music star from a country group called Sugarland, uh, has dipped her toes into the acting world uh, with uh, a role on uh, the HBO show uh, Righteous Gemstones, amongst other things. She's great on it. Uh, it's been announced. It's been announced that she has signed on uh, to an as yet unknown but primary role in David Gordon Green's upcoming The Exorcist. Uh, so, um, 
it is important to note, I suppose, that David Gordon Green is also the executive producer of Righteous Gemstones, but he that, uh, yeah. has been working on the Exorcist uh, trilogy. The first one hits uh, later this year, and uh, she has signed on. And again, it's a, it's a primary role, but an unknown role at this time. And I don't know if you guys have checked out The Righteous Gemstones yet. There's been two seasons. Like, it, it might not be the comedy for you, but it's just so great. Like, John Gooden's so good in it, leading this family of, like, TV evangelists, like the big, like, Joel Osteen types, where they're like, oh, yeah, yes, praise I, Jesus, we're in a big old church. It's great. I love it. It's so funny. Take a look here. I have watched um, – I just want to take a quick look here just to – I don't want to overstep my statement. I have watched um, I've watched the first two episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I was enjoying what I've seen, but I have not yet gone back to it. But I have seen the first two episodes of Righteous Gemstones. Definitely worth it. it. It's a lot of fun, and it just it pokes so much fun at Catholicism and how these people that preach the good word are just buying shit left and right. Like, they have the huge mansion. They drive oh, around the, the property on golf people. carts. They're the worst fucking They people. are fucking terrible. They just suck the money out of people, and they promise them things. And it really just kind of lambasts that. You know, the fact that they have an amusement park on their property for people to pay to go to. It's like, oh, ride the Jesus Coaster. Hell yeah, amen. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> You know, just the way that they, they just skewer these people, you know, especially Joe Osteen, who's got, like, this big old mansion in Texas, but when they were flooding, he wouldn't let anybody in. Like, nope, nobody nope. can come in my super church. Locking the doors. <laughs> oh, they're in the fucking worst. The scum of the earth. But, all right, see, moving on from that, what else are we talking about? I'm going to tell you what else we're talking about, King. And what we're talking about is the fact that Donald Glover, uh, who... Yeah, uh, wrapped under the name Childish Gambino, Gambino. has a horror series yeah. uh, coming to Amazon uh, called Swarm uh, that's going to feature mm-hmm. murder, sex, and music, and it's going to follow a music fan uh, who has lost her mind due to her obsession with a pop star, and this series Swarm will be debuting on Amazon on March 17th. Okay. Yeah, I've been looking forward to that one. I'm a huge fan of Donald Glover from his days on Community to his rap career as Childish Gambino. Uh, he had a show on FX called Atlanta, which, you know, it wasn't necessarily a comedy show, but there were a couple episodes that were straight up horror. Like, you know, I was like, wow, this guy is actually pretty good. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to Swarm. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm a big fan of him, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can come up with with that. But um, you know, Atlanta is another show that I recommend to people because it's so weird. Like, you'll have, like, a really funny episode, and then one episode will be, like, fucking terrifying. Like, just nightmare fuel. you like, what is this show? It's so weird, but definitely worth checking out if you have the time. There's a bunch of seasons available, I'm sure, like through FX and other streaming sites. But very cool for Mr. Glover. Uh, but what else do we got, Dave? LL Cool J, who has made his name. Man, it's like a uh, shark fin in the rap world, as well as, uh, you know, a very notable horror-themed uh, rap song, as the king just spouted off one of the lyrics. Uh, and what I have to talk about <laughs> is related to uh, Deep Blue Sea, which he had a role in. Uh, LL Cool J yes, has said uh, that he almost drowned 
uh, during filming of the Deep Blue Sea. He was appearing on the uh, on the video interview show called Hot Ones. Uh, I don't know if you guys I saw know that Hot yeah, Ones. That was great. Uh, but oh, yeah, that's on, a great show. Ones, uh, yeah, the people being interviewed and eat increasingly spicy uh, chicken wings while they're being interviewed. Uh-huh. And he said that uh, the story is a thousand percent true that they were filming a certain scene. Uh, and he said mid scene, someone called out for lunch and the guy controlling the part of the animatronic shark uh, just bailed, uh, leaving him with this little breathing apparatus. And he accidentally, uh, it accidentally filled with water when he tried to breathe in through it. Um, and it said he oh, caused, fuck. Uh, much, it caused much panic and struggle, um, but he ultimately, uh, you know, thankfully was able yeah. to survive. Yeah, it's a great episode. I just watched it last night. I was kind of hoping he would talk about Halloween H2O. I would love to hear stories about Josh Hartnett's bad fucking haircut and what it was like to work with Michael Myers, but no, he didn't talk about it. It's kind of bummed. I was like, come on, he's Ronnie the security guard. He gets shot in the head and survives. Who does that in a fucking Halloween movie? <laughs> the bullet just grazed me, baby. The bullet just grazed me. <laughs> I will say, and it's uh, been... You know, it's been it's been laughed at and talked about uh, to the ends of the earth. But I have to say uh, that I was in the theater on opening weekend to see Deep Blue Sea. And truly mm-hmm. the scene where and, you know, it's the most famous scene in the movie when Samuel L. Jackson gets it. Oh, uh, man. Like yep. the stunned hilarity. I, I mean, <laughs> I screamed in laughter. I don't know what the rest of the reactions was, but I was dying laughing audibly out loud. Um, seeing that live in the oh, theater, yeah. having not heard anything about that or that that was what happened. Uh, you were not expecting it to happen. Samuel L. Jackson was a big star at the time, and in that moment in the middle of the film, there was just no way that was uh, you were thinking that was happening. But anyway, uh, you know, that's not what we're here to talk about either. Yeah, it is. It's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say so. That's true. It is a horror movie. It is a horror movie, but we're not here to talk about... <laughs> we're not here to debate scenes and merit of uh, Deep Blue Sea, uh, the movie from long ago. Um, but yes, it is. So I'm making a pick. A, a, a <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if so, then so be it. So be it. That is it's like a shock scene. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head. God damn it. I fucked myself. <laughs> Earworm! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, so what's next, Steve? When he was in medical school, Michael Crichton wrote eight novels under the pseudonym John Lang. Uh, At this time, as a young Mm. medical student, uh, he was kind of nervous uh, that if patients knew he was a writer, that they would be afraid that he would use uh, their stories, not not their names or anything, but their stories or diagnoses as fodder for his material. So he wrote these eight novels. Um, under uh, uh, a pseudonym name. And uh, it has been announced uh, that uh, his, his widow, uh, Sherry Crichton, has struck a seven-figure deal uh, to have these eight novels uh, republished. Uh, they were all okay. uh, written and set in the 60s and 70s, and it's been said that they are uh, science-based thrillers with pulpy twists. Uh, so if you were a fan of the writings of Michael Crichton, such notable things as The Andromeda Strain and Jurassic Park, of course, 
uh, here's an opportunity to check out these books that he wrote before he was writing under his name, Michael Crichton. Eight books. That's, inc- I mean, that's incredible. You know, I'm having trouble writing two. He's writing, you know, eight. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I, I've only read two Michael Crichton books. One was Coma, and the other one was Jurassic Park, obviously, but uh, not bad. I actually do like it, but i got to check out those books. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, like, medical horror sci-fi type stuff, so it might be cool to check out. Yeah, so um, my, right. my, my question to you, and it's been – I mean, for real, it's been it's been 25 years easy since I've read any of them. Uh, Coma was not written by Michael Crichton. Coma was written by Robin Cook, and I was actually well, okay. when All you right. said so when, when when you said that you were a fan of like medical thrillers, I was about to ask if you have read any of Robin Cook's books because if not, and you like medical thrillers, like that's the place to go immediately and check out some of his books, and I would imagine. That those are books that you could probably find for like a dollar ninety nine on thrift books, or at your local oh, library. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. thrift books is a great fucking site to find, you know, cheap books. Um, I've actually bought yeah, a, a number of them it. from thrift books. Yeah, huge fan of that site, and they even have some of like the rare cuts, like the old Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger books that were young adult novels. But I mean, that's like ninety to a hundred dollars. So, but you know, you could find some cheap, you know, books on there. And yeah, Robin Cook. Yeah, you're right. I always thought that was a Michael Crichton book for some reason, but uh, yeah, Robin Cook definitely in the the medical horror field, so definitely worth checking. Yeah, out. I'm I'm, but, I'm serious. If you haven't if you haven't read his stuff, um, it's totally no. worth checking out. Totally worth checking out. Like his stuff I'm going back to that. that like, I'm I'm actually I'm just kind of looking at, at at it now, and I'm seeing that he even has had books that have come out in like 2019. Uh, whatever, but I'm talking about stuff going back to like, excuse me, back to like the 80s and 90s. He was writing fantastic, fantastic uh, medical, like scary medical thrillers. Yeah, I've seen them on the shelf at the libraries and at Barnes and Noble, so I'll have to check those out. You know, thanks for the recommendation. I always need to add more books to my library. As Monkey can attest. Yep. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bookshelves, man. So bookshelves. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Stop destructing yeah, your I books just... and get some bookshelves. Well, I, I actually need to read the books that I buy, too. That's a good point. I was just reading. Um... I'm sorry, reading. I was just listening to the the video archives podcast. Uh, the episode That's a great and, podcast. And on that on that episode that I was listening to, because what I was doing was kind of like scanning the lists and looking for like titles that I knew and wanted to hear them talk about. And one of them uh, was was Coma. Uh, they yeah, talked about Coma that on that show. Yeah, yeah, they they do some deep cuts. I'm not sure. That's why I love it. Like they really deep dive into the movies. Not always horror, but sometimes like yeah, some of those titles. Like wow, I remember that movie. So yeah, that's the Roger Avery and Quentin Tarantino podcast. So I've listened to a number of those. But all right, Dean, what else? What else are we talking about? The uh, the the prequel series uh, that I have talked about on the show, Welcome to Derry. Um, mm-hmm. You know that's been in been in development. Uh, for about a year with uh, Andy Muschietti, uh, executive producing, and uh, Brad Caleb Kane and uh, Brad Caleb Keen and Jason Fuchs 
uh, acting as showrunners, uh, both of which have ties to the IT films. Um, it, HBO has officially announced that it is a green light and that uh, this will officially be um, like filming and, and released. So they've been working on it, but you know, for HBO, but HBO hadn't given the, the, the full green light, but the Welcome to Derry prequel series uh, is officially greenlit and a go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, and did you hear about the, uh, the Docs uh, movie that's coming out called uh, King on Screen, where they're going to be analyzing over not. 80 of the King adaptations? Oh, yes. Yeah. I did. I yeah, did. I saw... Looking forward to that. I, I did, and I saw that um, and didn't get a chance to, to jot it down in my notes for things uh, that we were talking about tonight. But I did see something about that earlier today. Yeah, over 80 adaptations are going to be talking about. And when I saw that number, I'm like, holy shit, it really has been. Because it seems like there's always cranking out a Stephen King adaptation. Like, he's not even done writing the book, and they're like, green light, movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's still working on it. And they're like, let's just fucking do it. Like, you know. Um, but, like, we've talked about in the past, like, all these King books that come out, um, and they automatically get greenlit for something, a movie or a series like that. The book that he wrote, The Institute, uh, that came out like a year or two ago, I want to say. Like, they were like, yep, we're going to make that new movie, the Greenlit. And then Billy Summers, a book that he just wrote, also got a green light for an adaptation to a movie. So it's like the book just gets on the shelf, and they're like, let's fucking go. So, But you have to see if they actually get done, because I haven't heard anything about the Institute since it got announced as far as it being adapted into a movie. Billy Summers just got announced. There's also the Salmon's Lot movie uh, adaptation that comes out, the reboot, I think, this year. Uh, so we got another Salem's Lot to look forward to. There was just another Children of the Corn that just, uh, you know, got released. So, you know, King is not going anywhere. Like, God bless the man. <laughs> he might just be rolling around like Scrooge <laughs> McDuck in a fucking pile of money. Like, oh, I love you, money. Oh, I'm just going to write another book. <laughs> I don't even know what it's going to be about. Vault, uh, he's got a vault underneath that cool-ass Gothic mansion of his. <laughs> he doesn't even live there anymore. That that mansion oh, that he takes pictures in front of. No, he moved out of there a long yeah. time ago. Like now, it's it's turned into a writers' retreat. So nobody lives oh. there. It's just a writers' retreat. So people are like, "Oh man, Stephen King's house!" Like, yeah, no, he moved out. Like he he still lives in Bangor, but he doesn't live in that house anymore. He just kind of let it go and he upkeeps it and stuff like that. But he uses it as a writers' retreat. So people that are writers can go and visit and write their things and and hopefully find inspiration and and move on. But yeah, it's still there. You know, you can check out this is a bat wing, you know, gates in the front, stuff like that. But, yeah, he, yeah, him and his wife, Tabitha, moved out of there. Like, nobody knows where he lives now, and I think that's for a reason. I'm pretty sure he's probably like, I don't want to know where I live. So if they want to take pictures in front of this house, they can. But I'm not there. You're not going to see him walk out in his front porch. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's happily living somewhere else. But uh, all right, Dean, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, yes, there is. And oh, okay. this is Let's what go. I want to tell you about. Um, coming up cool. is the Living with Chucky documentary that is coming to Screenbox Very cool. uh, in just over a month on April 4th. Uh, this is directed by Kira Elise Gardner, who is the daughter of Tony Gardner, who has been the chief puppeteer for the majority of the Chucky franchise. Uh, she said that she is going to be, this documentary will explore the franchise through both a personal as well as social perspective with new and archival interview footage 
uh, that explores and exposes the cultural impact uh, over the years of the Chucky franchise. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully checking that out because it's, it's, it's cool that she has all that knowledge and firsthand experience of working on it. So very cool. Screenbox. Yeah, I still don't have a subscription, uh, subscription to that one yet. So maybe one of these days I'll have to do what the goal did. I just like I stick I with said, Shutter. My, That's my go-to. My password, my password is the King Loves Dawn 2004. So <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. I could check out Screenbox finally. I do love Dawn, just not, you know, not the one you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So what else is next, Steve? All right. This is the last thing that I want to talk about. And there's a little bit here, but um, I, I definitely, you know, have saved this one for the end uh, to be the final note. But I'm uh, taking a trip here uh, into the world of Elm Street. Uh, back in 2019, okay. uh, it had, was said that uh, the Craven estate had reacquired uh, the rights uh, to Nightmare on Elm Street and that they were going to mm. be actively accepting pitches uh, to, to bring whatever version of uh, Freddy Krueger related Nightmare on Elm Street uh, stories uh, back into uh, the world. Uh, in that time, it's been stated that uh, Elijah Wood and his SpectraVision partner, Daniel Noah, wanted in on some action um, and supposedly mm-hmm. have been in touch. They claimed it's, that they'd been in touch with right holders many times. Um, Jason Blum, of course, has expressed interest. Uh, Scream uh, 6 uh, and, uh, sorry, the, the fifth Scream film and the Scream 6 writer, uh, Gary Busick, has said that he wants to write both Elm Street and Friday the 13th movies. And uh, Mike Flanagan... Uh, said that he has wanted in since 2019 and says that he has a full, and this is where the story gets interesting, uh, that he has a full pitch uh, ready to go. Uh, He says uh, he was speaking in the Script Apart podcast. Uh, He said that he has his pitch already, and he doesn't know who to pitch it to. He says that he has spent a year with Heather Langenkamp uh, working on it and their ideas as uh, Heather Langenkamp has said that she, in some fashion, would like to battle Freddy one more time, and they would like to get Robert England back to do this one more time. And given that in 2019, uh, the Craven Estate supposedly secured the rights, apparently uh, it's not so clear-cut. And uh, there are aspects to this where nobody really knows who controls what and who to pitch things to. Uh, Flanagan has said that he keeps telling his agents uh, to set up some kind of meeting so he can make his pitch. And his agents keep coming back to him, telling them truly, 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 they really don't even know who you're supposed to contact and pitch your ideas to. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a bizarre story because I have previously heard about Elijah Wood's interest. Um, I think I probably have heard about Jason Blum's interest. Um, you know, uh, I know that Mike Flanagan, uh, who uh, has made many properties for Netflix, but has left Netflix and has secured a deal with Amazon. Uh, he worked with uh, Heather Langenkamp, Langenkamp on um, the, the Midnight Club uh, for Netflix. Um, but he says that uh, figuring out how to or who that you're supposed to approach for Nightmare on Elm Street properties 
seems to be some kind of a mystery right now. It's weird. I, I, I think his wife is still that alive is and odd. he has kids. So yeah. who owns his estate? Like he has to have a lawyer or something. Like there's got to be some person that you can talk to. It's just weird that there's just like nobody around. <laughs> you know, the estate. Like you got to find out who owns the estate. You know, like I said, he's got kids. He has a wife. So hopefully they could find out. I mean, I'm good without hearing Flanagan's pitch. I'm not a fan of Flanagan, but um, just again. <laughs> Like I've always said, you can't do a Freddy movie without England. And if this all works out and they do find who to pitch it to and they're like, great, let's go, Heather Langekamp's on board, fighting Freddy one more time, it's like, well, you're going to have to write around the fact that she died in part three. So I'm sure they could just retcon that to part one. That's fine. But you've got to have to pay England a lot of money. I guarantee you he's not going to be like, yeah, I'll, sure, I'll put on the makeup again. You know, he's in his 70s. He's not going to want to put on the fucking makeup again. Unless you're giving him a fucking monster paycheck to do it, you know. And if I was him, I'd be asking Ooh, for a lot of money. Yeah, I would be asking for a huge fucking payday if you're going to have him sit and put on that fucking makeup again and be Freddy one more time. I'm sure he would do it, but the money's got to be right. So, but that's all up in the air. Like the dean had said, like we don't even know who's a part of the estate. So. You know, they got to figure that out first and then work out the details later. But very interesting, and we'll see what develops with that. Um, so, yeah, all right. So, with that being said, Dean, uh, it is your pick, Project Wolf Hunting from 2022, directed by Kim Hoon Sung. Uh, what's this movie about? What do you think about it? Let's get into this. Yes. Uh, project. Project Wolf Hunting. Project on Operation. <laughs> uh, 2022 South Korean film. Uh, directed by King Hong Sun, starring Siu Ingok and Jang Dong Yoon. Um, and in this film, we, uh, after a, a, a transfer of prisoners uh, goes wrong uh, due to a, a murderous suicide attack at the airport, uh, it's been decided that dangerous criminals uh, should be transported uh, by the sea. Uh, once loaded onto this cargo ship under heavily armed guard, uh, an all-out violent riot takes place. And as these escaped convicts make their way uh, through the ship, uh, murdering those in their path and uh, trying to secure the release of other convicts, uh, the horribly horrific discovery is that there is some kind of evil deep within the ship uh, that can uh, bring about more violence than they possibly could ever have been prepared for. So what do you think about it? Uh, I liked it, man. I, 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 I like this level of uh, like violence and bloodshed and, and spray and and guts, and it's just, uh, you know, in a similar vein to the violence in uh, The Sadness, uh, that was my pick mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year, or no, sometime, sometime last year. Last year. Um, so yeah. on, on, on that note, and of course we have like a kind of like, kind of like confusing, and it could just be the language barrier, but kind of a cute, confusing convoluted story about uh, genetic experimentation involving involving sol- wounded soldiers and wolves and, and, and the de-aging process and all of this, uh, you know, through the mysterious genetics company. Uh, but 
Um, I, I liked the savage violence here and, uh, you know, like I, I enjoyed my time with Project <clears throat> Wolf Hunting. Project, yes, not Operation. Uh, Monkey, what did you think about Project Wolf Hunting? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I went into this blind just and like the king, I was expecting a werewolf movie. I really was. And I was like, all right. And I was like, all right. K- Korean werewolf movie. Let's see where this fucking goes. That's not what we thought I would get. I don't mean to interrupt you, Monkey, but I just want to say that yeah, I dude, am a fan it. of the werewolf side of the genre, and it's not out of the realm of possibility yeah. that I would pick a werewolf role. But this is not that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, cool, because I'd never seen a Korean werewolf movie or or now that I think about it, just an Asian werewolf movie in general uh, that was an anime. So, you know, so I was like, you know, this is cool. Let's check this out. But that's not what we get, man. Um, no. And once the ball got rolling and it fucking gets rolling real quick, I was like, holy shit. I was like, of course the Dean would pick this. It's like fucking Con Air, but on a freight ship. <laughs> and movies like this, it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, what, <laughs> um, like what, one of my gripes I have with a lot of horror movies, you know, is the consistency of the blood, how the blood looks too watery, and I nitpick about that. You know, I'm going to give this movie a fucking pass on that. Because, the, like, how much fucking blood they used on this thing and spared no expense on the gore and the grime and stuff like that. You know, it, like, I was like, all right, give, give it a pass. Give it a pass. You know, it's watered down, but they're doing this in industrial settings. They have to clean up all this shit. And it's just spray and sprawl all over the fucking thing. You know, all <clears throat> over everything. You know, so it was just, okay. And then when I went and did research, then I found out, um, yeah, they they used um, two and a half tons of blood on this movie. So gallons, that's yeah. pretty f- – <laughs> what? Gallons. 2.5 tons of blood. Yeah. Okay, so I thought it was gallons, so – I don't, yeah, I don't measure liquid like that. I measure in gallons. Two point five gallons. Like two point five gallons was the fucking monster from Below's costume, uh, let alone the whole film. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You know, so uh, Dean, thanks for picking it, man. Just fun adrenaline ride from beginning to end. It's like you know, story wise, we'll get into it, but you know, it was definitely just a fun you know ball, balls deep action movie. <laughs> yeah, okay, man. Uh, what did you, you think know, of it, man? Oh, well, go yeah. Ahead, no, go ahead, uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, I just, I, I wasn't a fan of the movie. <clears throat> you know, I just, I, you know, it's not a terrible movie. I will say that. It's not a terrible movie. Like, I didn't hate it. I just, I, you know, I just found it confusing at times. Um, even my notes, when we'll get into it in a minute, like, I just was confused. I forgot characters' names because there was just so many people. But, it's, you know, I, I'm glad the Dean found a happy place in Korea where he could find movies because it seems like when he picks Korea movies, like, you know, he's happy. And I'm glad that you're happy when you pick these movies because there is a I, lot of I'm blood. Happy. I like the sadness. Um, like the sadness, I didn't like that movie either because I felt like it's just, it was too much. Like, 
especially in this movie too. Like, there's a lot of blood. I like gore. I like blood. I like guts. I like all that stuff. But when you give it to me in such an excess, I'm like, all right, I'm over it. Like, it's just I was bored. I was like, okay, so now we're getting head ripped off, and now we're like, you know, it's just, you know, like I I love slasher movies, but then again, slasher movies give you a break. Like, they will give you a break halfway through the movie so you can just get back into the story, and then all of a sudden there's going to be another gore set piece. Like, this movie was just like, let's see how much blood we could pour on the screen. I'm like, it's fine. But after a while, I found myself getting bored. I'm like, all right, still? Like, we're still getting all this? So I was like, yeah, I just, you know, like I said, with the sadness, it was the same thing. It, just, it was too much blood. Where I'm like, just, all it is is just gore for gore's sake. You know, there's no substance to it. You know, it's empty calories. Um, you know, but like I said, was it a bad movie? No, not at all. It was like, it, it was a fine movie, but just, I wish they just didn't continue with the blood, 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 blood. And they're like, we'll give you a little bit of story, blood, blood, blood. It's, it's, it's enough <laughs> where I'm finding it boring after a while, you know, and for it being two hours, like this is an hour and a half movie and it was two hours. I mean, it was long. But, I can agree with that. Um, yeah. felt like the runtime was a little bit too much, but Otherwise, like I said, it's not the worst I've ever seen. Like, I think I would prefer this over the, uh, the sadness. I felt like the sadness was just savagery for savagery's sake, and at least they were trying to do something. And I'm like, oh, look, Busan. We talked about that movie. <laughs> so at least there was a little connection to Train to Busan, you know, in this movie, because I was like, oh, look, there they are. So, but, um, <clears throat> so again, I apologize for my, my narration, because... I forgot characters' names a lot during this. So well, hold on a second. Uh, I, I I think Dean had something to ask you now. D- Dean, what did you okay. want to hit him up about? Um, what was I going to say? What I was going to say is that I <laughs> um oh shit, what was I going to say? I was going to say that um <laughs> I had stumbled. Uh, 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 it'll come back. I can't remember. I, uh, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I do, what I will say though, what I will say is that when I look for my pit, uh, you know, the, the 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 globe, the globe is my is my canvas uh, as I okay, cool. as I canvas the globe, uh, looking for for titles to bring, and I feel that I have brought, um, you know, I have brought I have brought as as others of you have at times too, but I know that I I know specifically that I certainly have brought choices from from all corners of the world uh, and many different countries. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I like about some of these, uh, these Korean films and some of the other Asian uh, horror films is like, sometimes like I want, and I hear like with the two hour runtime, I can hear what you say about maybe, maybe a little bit of boredom and repetition, but like, I like this level of carnage. Uh, like I like mm-hmm. this level of blood and guts. It's it's highly entertaining uh, for me, and uh, it doesn't like like in in a film like this. Uh, like even though it's not animation, like there's like a cartoonish element uh, to it yeah. uh, that doesn't like it doesn't seem like like it's like this is ha- actually happening to people, which like in that case can sometimes be on the upsetting side. But this to me is like just like super fun and pulpy and over yeah. the top. And like, like in my opinion, for real, uh, because I've been watching this for so long, it's like, it's like kind of like being a cocaine bear. Like once you get that taste of yeah. gore, like at the mm-hmm. beginning of your journey into the genre, like you just need like a little bit more to, to bring that same effect. So when these films, when I, when I 
I think the second part might be what I was starting to say. When I heard about the sickness and the supposed level of the sadness and the supposed level of depravity there, and uh, you know, made that my pick right away. Like I think in my in my notes folder on my phone, I wrote the sadness, you know, coming on Shutter, and I maybe mm-hmm. in all caps was like, this is a pick as soon as it's available. And uh, nice. you know, I saw Stop. something. I saw something about Project Wolf Hunting uh, maybe just a week or so ago on, uh, on not Bloody Disgusting, maybe like Dread Central, I don't know, one of those sites uh, where there was something about something in the description where in my notes also, like I wrote Project Wolf Hunt- Hunting and uh, like in all caps was like definitely, definitely, like meaning like when it's time for me to look for my pick, like this one will stand out to me. So um you know, there was, I don't remember what the description was, but there was something that I read that was like, oh, yeah, this is good. I want to watch this one for, for the show. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, man. It's like, I'm, I'm totally there with you. It's just like you're saying, you know, there's like a, almost a comic like level with it. And then, you know, all of the fists through the bodies and stuff like that with the action. Uh, again, I totally get because of. A lot of the really bloody anime that I'll watch. And then also all of the fun with how, you know, we always talk about how bodies have no density and you just have hands going through bodies left and right, you know, a lot like zombie movies and vampire movies, you know, yeah. So I'm totally with you with all of that gore. All right. So we open with a reporter talking about a group of extradited criminals that are set to arrive at an airport. The place is swarming with reporters and cameras, and we're told that 47 criminals that have escaped to the Philippines are now being brought back to South Korea for imprisonment. A man emerges from the crowd and shouts to one of the escorted prisoners and calls him a motherfucker before running at him with a bag in his hand. As he's being detained, he pulls a grenade out of his bag and blows himself up along with some people that were around him. We also find out that we are in 2022 thanks to it popping up on screen. It's September 12th, to be exact, and the location is Roxas Boulevard, Manila, Philippines. A reporter the far future of the last captain... year. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> excuse me. So, a reporter explains that the captured criminals are set to leave at 5 o'clock on a cargo ship, the Frontier Titan, heading to South Korea. Due to the airport incident, authorities believe that cargo ships are a better option for transport. We also find out that there are two real dangerous criminals set to board the cargo ship. The bus arrives with the inmates, and they're all escorted onto the ship. One of the prisoners is Lee Do-il. He's a red notice. Oh, damn, that's bad. One of the inmates gets a beating because he had rude remarks to uh, Detective Lee, who starts to give him a beating and just get back on the ship. A doctor and nurse arrive. The doctor is a replacement from a previous doctor that didn't want to come. The inmates are escorted onto the ship while a group of men arrive at the shipyard <coughs> and enter the command center. A man announces to everyone that he's the head of operations now, and his team will be taking over from here on in. The current crew can get the fuck out. So despite some objections, this new team takes over Project Wolf Hunting. The first inmate on the ship we meet is <laughs> Pogun Bay, under arrest for murder committed on April 23, 2013. We also meet Park Jung-Doo, the inmate that started ship with the detective from earlier. He's covered in tattoos with 13 counts of murder and conspiracy, as well as a rape charge. There's also Kusung Cho, tampering with human remains and 17 first-degree assaults. A female inmate is soon led into a pretty nice room on the ship. She's Cho Myung-ju, charged with the murder of her husband and in-laws. 
all the inmates are being about what life is going to be on the ship. They're not sure, but they are all told by the detectives, be cool and you'll be fine. So the detectives will watch the inmates in shifts. Just be cool. Be on guard. Just be cool. <laughs> just, just, just be all right. Oh, and hey, by the way, we're in Busan. So, hey, where's the train? They should have taken one. But those trains are filled with zombies. So ship is the way to go. So the, the doctor and nurse unpack their things, and the detectives are all just being unhappy about this. But uh, Detective Lee tells them, listen, we've got to make through this. Three more days to go. We're going to be okay. So the ship takes off, and in the elevator, the doctor is looking up the blueprints of the ship. Meals are handed out to the inmates as the doctor walks through the engine room. He reaches a room with a door that he buzzes to be opened. As this is going on, one of the men with the detectives messes with the door, just crushing it next to a lock. So it's like, what the fuck is he all about? We'll find out. So the doctor meets with a man. He's brought food and other things for him. The man has the doctor follow him to a bed where there is a weird man under a cage, being hooked up to a bunch of monitors. He's pretty badly damaged. I don't know what he's Oh, wait, about. no, wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> wrong movie. So we cut back to the man that took over operations that I called the captain. Uh, he's in the shipyard. He's reading classified documents from Yon Genetics. We see photos of men that the Japanese Army experimented on as we see the doctor discovering something in the cage man's mouth. He's told to do his job and get out. The man, whose eyes are stapled shut, gets injected with the purple liquid as the doctor leaves. Meanwhile, while the detectives are talking, we see the inmates being revealed elements of an escape plan, puking up different things so they can get their shackles off. A group of men find a crate filled with money and guns and body armor, and they all begin suiting up as we get a flashback as to how these men manage to get on the ship as all their plans are coming together. So now the detectives leave to get rest, but all of a sudden these men appear with all their body armor and guns, and one of them accidentally bangs a briefcase, which causes the detectives to acknowledge the sound. They notice one of the men has a gun, and the guy's like, fuck, like, put the gun down. <laughs> it's too obvious. So that's Oh, now, now, now it's like Conair meets under siege. Now, now, now right? <laughs> so there you go. So the detectives that See, noticed this are attacked if, and killed if, violently. If Tommy Lee Jones was in charge, none of the bad guys, none of this shit would have gone None of wrong. it would have happened. <laughs> nope. It would have been completely fine. So... After this group of detectives are killed, the men drag their bodies away into a uh, freezer storage locker, and they carry away on with their plan. The men enter the control the room and kill some of the crew <laughs> in the cooler, sparing two to, spear, to steer the ship. The leader of this group shoots a phone that can call Korea and also the radio because he's not a fan of music. Just found out that he just doesn't like it. So the team of the shipyard notifies their leader, the captain, that all communication has been lost to the ship, and this causes slight alarm. And that's when we see a female detective notices that the Wi-Fi has gone out and no one seems to be answering the walkie-talkie, so she decides to go out to see Captain Lee. One of the inmates frees himself, which is his John Du, um, and he's with the other inmate that causes a noise. So this guy's like, bang, and all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck's going on? So a detective walks in, and he's immediately attacked by John Du. Soon more men arrive and begin killing more detectives, John Du bites off the detective's fingers before the other inmate brains him with a set of cuffs. Once another detective is dead, we see that these men have been working with Ko Gung Bay and John Du, John Du being the leader of all of this. John Du pitches on the last detective after he's been killed and seems to enjoy it as the female detective is still him. in search of weed. Dude, so it's long, like he's just so they're all naked. <laughs> <laughs> so then you find out he's really literally like, covered head to toe in tattoos. Still uncertain of exactly what direction all of this was going and, and what is 
actually taking place. It's like, man, we're going this, we're going, we're going this far. Like it's bad, it's bad enough what you have done to to this dude uh, already, but now you're gonna fucking piss on him. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Lee and the female detective meet up, and once they're on, you know, the top of the ship on the deck, they see a man with an axe, and the detectives decide to go up and find him leaving the doctor behind because he had appeared. The female detective's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, nothing. So they leave him behind. And one of the free inmates wants to fuck the female detective, but Zhang Du shoots him, claiming that she belongs to him. She's mine. He also runs into Lee Du Il <laughs> and expects gratitude from Du Il uh, for such a legendary killer, but he's not getting any. And that's when Lee makes his way to the bridge and fights the man seen with the axe. Lee gets clear of the man with the axe, and the detectives turn this man into Swiss cheese real fucking quick. But that's when the other men in the, in the, on the bridge decide to shoot back. And then we cut back to Zhang Du telling Lee Du Il. Go ahead. <laughs> but we're in the fucking bridge, okay? And then they're fucking opening up full autos all over where the controls <laughs> for the ship are. And I'm like, is anyone, like, you know, even thinking about this? <laughs> they're shooting up every fucking control that's in the fucking place. So ooh, if, they, if they didn't have plans to stop the ship before, guess what? It's definitely now fucking stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way they're moving. Uh, so we cut back to Zhang Du, who tells Lee Du Il to follow him, but if he chooses not to, stay out of his way. Il decides to follow, and as the men separate, back on the bridge... We and the detectives reload and kill all of but one man. The surviving man takes a member of the ship's crew hostage and demands the Texas drop their guns, which they do. And then Dion, the female detective, I had to write that in because I found out her name through subtitles, manages to fight the surviving man, giving the detectives an opening shot to kill him dead. A crew member dies but tells Dion... She goes fucking sliding yep. in and just <laughs> fucking shooting him in the ankles <laughs> and shit like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't like her uptightness throughout the entire movie, but I enjoyed her like in binds where she actually had to fight. And I was just like, look at her yep. jumping all over the little fucking screen like a little fucking Chun Li. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So meanwhile, the nurse that had arrived with the doctor, she had been looking for a beer and finds one. And when the doctor returns, found he found tells the a nurse couple. Here, <laughs> yeah, and she's having fun, looking all sorts of hot. So the nurse decides she wants to go check out the gunshots. <laughs> yeah. But the doctor says we can't go out there and he locks them both in their room. We also see that the inmates have removed all the bodies and stacked them in the storage room, which is also a freezer, and we cut back to the men in the bowels of the ship keeping watch over the man covered with a cage. Blood leaking from the pipes. <laughs> I did. And it lands on the man who's in the cage who pulls off his oxygen mask, and that's when we see the freed inmates coming across some maintenance men and killing one of them. Zhang Du wants to kill the other man, but of course he uh, Ill is not having any of that. So they decide to destroy the phone. It's also, you know, in the bowels of the ship. So there's no way to contact Korea in any way, shape, or form. So that's when Captain Lee and his remaining detectives regroup, trying to piece together what happened. They need to reach the engine room to call Korea, but as we know, it's no longer an option. John Gu, of course, like I had said, wants to kill the chief engineer, but is stopped by Ill. Lee shows up with his men and wants to kill John Gu, and this leads to a standoff between the detectives and inmates. Both sides. I was thinking they were getting ready to have a dance off when they fucking square off. In the engine room. <laughs> so as they're about to have this standoff with each other, the man with the stapled eyes shut appears and kicks a hole through a guy, and then everybody's like, "What?" 
and he also has predator vision for some reason. Like he just says he's like yeah. I see everybody and you know, and he slows thumbs down a set of stairs and then just starts tearing through everyone in the room. We get his ass beat by this man and Zhang Du shoots at him but has no effect. Yeah. On him. And that's when this man decides to pick up a sledgehammer. Go ahead, Dean. Oh, no, no, I was just saying, just everyone. It's like the, the carnage that's going on in, in every direction. There's just blood and guts flying, like limbs oh, breaking. Yeah, and, yeah so that's, that's, all, that's all. So, John Du decides to fight with this man, but the man uses a sledgehammer on John Du, which breaks both of his arms. And, of course, being injured with both arms broken, he's leaning against the post in the, in the engine room, and he says, fuck you, before John Du's head is smashed to bits like a Gallagher sketch. Like, just completely <laughs> smashed apart. And I was like, oh, shit, John Du, the guy that fucking created everything is dead. I was like, okay. You that part got me. I was like, yeah. okay, that, that was fucking cool. Yeah. I was really thrown off, too, that this guy, you know, went out so quick. You know, shit showed up. You know, and we have, like you said, you know, our badass predator motherfucker now running around. And I was not expecting him to bite it that quick. I was really thrown off by that. Right. So the man returns to fight with Lee, but Ill steps in and notices numbers burnt into the man's chest. Theon shoots the man, but it has no effect. He even pulls the bullet out of his chest that shot at him. Ill and another inmate manage to escape with Theon and Lee and go off in search of the doctor. Back at the shipyard, the man in charge, a.k.a. the captain, loses his shit when he realizes the inmates have been raising hell. And that's when he gets a call from Chief Pio, and he tells him that everything is under control. But the chief, as we notice, as he's getting a blowjob from some dude, he also has numbers burned into his skin and a scar on his chest. And while he's getting this blowjob from this handsome guy, he crushes the dude to death uh, after he came. I don't think he came. I think it was halfway through. Well, it was just the entire time. Like the whole time, man. Like you could, if, you, if you look closely, you can see even before uh, you realize that there's violence happening you can start to see like blood form in the hair, like as you realize mm-hmm. that his hand yep. is like how his yeah. hand is gripping the top of the head. Mm-hmm. And it's it, he kills and, this guy. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he's doing the phone conversation. And he's just so calm and all that kind of stuff. And then, <laughs> yeah, fucking, you know, like you said, don't know if he finishes or not. But then just snaps his head, and then in come walks his assistant, and she just looks. At and she just gives him an eye. She's like, oh, fuck again. You know, yeah, I know. Fucking like, again, got another call one? Like, make another cleanup call. Yeah. <laughs> <This> motherfucker. <laughs> yes. So, like, why, can't, why can't you just get him attacked after he's done? Like normal people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But you got to kill him. There's so many bodies. But So, Chief Pio tells the captain that he needs to take a naval helicopter to that ship and bring Alpha to him. So, that is the guy with the eyes stapled shut. That's Alpha. So Gungbei yes. arrives where the women inmates are being held. The one female detective has been chained up by the women, and she has a sock shoved into her mouth. We also see two crew members getting into a lifeboat, but Alpha discovers them and then kills them off screen. Meanwhile, the nurse is getting ready for bed, and she's like, God damn, this guy slept. He doesn't drink beer. He sucks. And she hears a commotion outside their window. And that's when she's immediately grabbed Jason Voorhees style and Jason goes to Manhattan through the window by Alpha and her throat is torn open. <laughs> the doctor escapes from the room but runs into DeYoung and the others. The doctor tells him that the man in the bowels of the ship is a monster and he was only there to keep it sedated. 
We want answers, but the doctor knows nothing. Aeon Genetics just told him to inject an anesthetic every six hours. Lee decides to leave the group and talk to the man in the basement that are there from the genetics company. And that's when we see the women inmates cleaning themselves up to meet with Jong Du. Alpha knocks down a door, which pins down an inmate who gets crushed to death. Blood, blah, 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 blah. blah. It was a cool death. Like, the more he stomped on the door, the more blood came out. I appreciated that one. Yeah, um, I mean, come on, man. You're, just, like, slipping on this movie. Usually, it's like, when we cover a horror movie, you tell us every death that's going on. Why aren't you doing that with this movie? I am doing it. I'm telling you something like 72 or something. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's why I'm fucking with them. <laughs> the inmate gets crushed to death, and then the female detective that has been chained up gets stabbed. And then an inmate's head is smashed as one gets their legs cut off while he's still standing. Again, monkey, talking about it, it's there. So, Jung Bay and the female inmate escape as Alpha continues his killing spree. Uh, just, there so me because you there didn't go... so many deaths. I'm, like, I'm trying to put it in my notes. I'm like, okay, this guy got this. Because I'm everybody's like, dying. Like, it's like... <laughs> I, uh, I was like, you know, it's not like a, a Friday the 13th movie where 10 people die. Like, this is 76. <laughs> I, mean, I gotta get everybody. Um, so, while the doctor is patching up an inmate in the basement, Dion finds a book and flipping through it finds Alpha named Kim Hong Gu, born in 1911. What? He was forced into the Japanese <laughs> army back then, lost his arm, was locked up as a POW, and became a human experiment for human weaponry. Meanwhile, Gunbei and the female inmate find an elevator and decide to use it but it stops working halfway through thanks to Alpha, who shoots into the broken elevator. While the doctor finds a report on Alpha, he is essentially a wolf, as he has heightened senses of smell and physical strength. He can lead the world into a whole new chapter in human evolution. Project Wolf Hunting. So as Alpha smashes ah. a hole in the elevator, Gumbay and the female inmate try to escape as we flash back to 1933 to the POW camp where Alpha is being held. Alpha's eyes have been freshly stapled shut, and it's the final operation. A success. Let's just clap it up, everybody. Come on, man. We did it. We fucking, <laughs> let's go. Everybody, every, you did it. You did it. You did it. Come on. Even you. Even you, guy, that just stood there. You did it. But, uh-oh. He's try, trying to Alpha start a slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> so they all clap it up, and uh-oh, Alpha wakes up and attacking like Wolverine after his adamantium surgery. He grabs a skull and beats <laughs> all the Japanese soldiers to death with it. One doctor survives momentarily, but Alpha shoots him in the head. So now we're back to 2022. Gunbei is grabbed and pulled up halfway through the hole in the elevator. He's freed when Lee appears and shoots up into the elevator shaft, but this survival doesn't last long as Alpha stomps Gunbei in the chest as the elevator falls. We and the female mm-hmm. inmate run as the helicopter with the captain and the here. So gunbei is dead he's gone i actually like gunbei but he didn't last long enough in this movie um the men on board that come with the captain all these soldiers inject themselves with a blue fluid as we cut back to the ship where dion got a roid up (laughs) they got to so these group find gunbei's body bloodied and destroyed in the elevator we and the female inmate reach the storage freezer where the bodies of the detectives are Lee puts her inside of the freezer and arms himself as Alpha appears. So that's when Lee and Alpha get into their big fight. And this is my favorite scene in the movie. Knife fight, just like under siege. (laughs) It's a knife fight, but what I love about this fucking scene, and I I had to rewind it because I'm like, did that just fucking happen? 
We fight with Alpha and somehow manages to latch on to Alpha's forearm with his teeth and then just bites it off clean through like he's biting through a piece of cheese. And he's like, ha, I got your arm. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, did he literally just bite the guy's arm off? How? How? How is it so clean? I was just like, I had to rewind it because I was so fucking confused. I was like, he just bit this dude's arm off. And you see Alpha with the arm off, but it doesn't have any effect. Alpha then kicks him in the head, which kills him. So then Alpha enters yeah, the freezer he, where the female okay. inmate is. Yeah. Okay, but but okay, but 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 um, yeah, he's got the thing the hoof. After he gets his arm off, he's like, "Fuck you!" At least when I get go to hell with my boys, I can tell them at least I took your arm. Fuck you! <laughs> I'm taking he's a piece of you with off. me. <laughs> I just. You know, I, I fucking love that. Like, oh my god! I was like, he bit his fucking arm off. How do you? Do? I couldn't do that. I could never do that. That's <laughs> why so, so I, I just I appreciated it because like this is something like the Dean said. Like this is superhuman. Like you or I or the Dean, we're never biting somebody's arm off. Like you just get tired halfway nope. through. He's like, all right, I'm done. Like there's a bone and there's like all this shit. <laughs> so somehow Lee is so much of a badass that he manages to do that. Um, <clears throat> Lee gets killed by a kick to the head. Alpha enters the freezer, and the female inmate pretends to be dead. But, my dude, you have fucking heat vision. She hasn't been in there that long. Thank you. I guarantee you, you'd probably be able to I see her. I was thinking the right? exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, so I was I, When she starts pulling the bodies up and shit like that, I was like, okay, she's going to get under the cold bodies, and then you're not going to be able to see right. the heat. You know, just, just like in Predator, you know. But, no, she just uh, then lays on top. And it's and it's and we were told not only does Alpha respond with his predator vision like you were saying, he also responds to uh, rapid heartbeats, you know, and yep. um, you know rapid breathing. He has senses to be able to pick that shit up. And if they don't tell me she went all fucking zen in three seconds and was able to <laughs> drop her temperature and her Full blood rate. Yeah, so here I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, because, yeah, like I said, if she had bared herself in the bodies, I would be fine. Like, even when she flinches as he touches her, I'm like, it's fine. He can't see her. Like, he can't see that she's flinching. All he could just is sniff her, but it doesn't last long because the helicopter arrives, and that's what causes Alpha to leave the room, so she has a chance to survive. Um, meanwhile, the doctor, Ill, the old inmate, and Dion hear the shopper coming, and they go running in search of the help that has arrived. All the soldiers they enter the, the ship with guns drawn. Get through the job off. Uh, so the men all enter the ship, all these soldiers with their guns drawn, and they find the female inmate. Again, I don't remember her name. It was like Cho or something like that. I just, I didn't go back in my notes to correct myself, so I just kept calling her the female inmate. Um, but she appears, and she tells the captain that a monster has been killing everyone on board. He decides, I'm just going to head and shoot you in the head. So she's dead, laying on the ground. <laughs> Dion sees a dead inmate on the floor and draws her gun on the captain, who also shoots and kills her. So he's just having a great day, just killing people. Well, especially right, no problem. Especially because when she draws her gun, she's like, "Police, drop your gun." He's like, "You stupid bitch! You never say you're actually police." <laughs> <laughs> this captain has so much fucking swagger towards the end of this movie. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like he might as well just been dancing around like the entire time. Like he just had so much fucking balls. Um, so after Dion is killed, 
Ill then goes into super killing mode and begins taking out the soldiers. The doctor and the old inmate run as the captain finds out that Ill is a super soldier too. Ill put Alpha on the ship so he could track him and the captain all the way back to Korea. I, I think I think that was the plan. I think that was like he wanted to track down the captain yes. because he believed the captain killed his, his girlfriend and his kid. So he wants to find the captain and take him out. Like that's his, his, his total I'm plan. I think, well, yes, he is the captain now. Go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, I was saying, yes, he, he knows that, you know, he <laughs> killed his wife and his kids and all that kind of stuff. And he's hunting him down. But I thought, he, you know, the plan was also not just to hunt him down, but to hunt down whoever was in charge of the project. Was That was his big, big plan. You have to find the head, to find the head of who's in charge of it all. Um, that's mm-hmm. the iconic, like I said, again, like the Dean said, some of this is lost in translation. You know, so I was just trying to go off of what I had seen in the movie, um, so that's why I put it as such. Um, we flash back to men being experimented on and treated like guinea pigs, including Ill, who manages to survive all the torture, getting this weird blue eye. Um, but we also see a van carrying the bodies of all the men that have been experimented on, including Ill, and watches the bodies are dumped into a pen full of pigs, which are fed to the, uh, the pigs. No, just get them to eat the bodies, and we'll take care of it. That's a great fucking plan, man. See? Like, if you want to get rid of a lot of bodies, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, holy shit, it's not just Jersey Mafia. Everybody uses pigs. See, pigs are like the fried chicken of the world for body disposal. Because everybody eats fried chicken, and apparently everybody uses pigs to get rid of bodies. We even saw it in Hannibal, you know, with Anthony Hopkins. You know, they were, he was going to be fed to a bunch of boars. Because they'll eat the bones, they'll eat the flesh, they'll eat everything. They won't leave anything behind. Um, so we see them being fed to the pigs. Ill wakes up in the pile of dead bodies and kills one of the farmers that is there overseeing the operation or project, if you will. He snaps awake, being confronted by his girlfriend, and we're seeing that he had a dream about it. We then find out from the captain that the captain killed his girlfriend and their child because he wouldn't return with the captain's men when confronted. Ill tries to take out one of the men, but a stop as Alpha enters the room. The captain orders the men to fire, and they begin shooting at Alpha, who uses the door as a shield, as Ill begins taking out the men alongside Alpha. So now all the soldiers are dead, and the captain prepares for a fight while the doctor and the old man inmate escape to the deck of the ship. The captain grabs Alpha by the neck and launches him to an adjacent room. So, okay, so he's a super soldier too then. <laughs> he's like, fuck you, bitch. Like, it just launches him. He's like, you think you're strong, motherfucker? Yeah, huh? Yeah. What up now, bitch? Yeah, because like, that wasn't just even having fun with this this guy. You know, he's like, all right, let's let's go. <laughs> he's like, I'm not even tired. He's like yawning, checking his watch. <laughs> you know, I got all day, baby. I got all yeah, he, he's day. Like, yeah, because he's like, all we need is the head. We fuck the rest. Shoot, shoot it all up. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin it. I don't care. Um, so. Ill begins fighting with the soldier as the doctor and the old men enter the waiting helicopter. The pilot can't take them to Korea as he's low on gas. And this is when the pilot pulls out a gun, the doctor and the pilot exchange gunfire, and both end up dying. And the old man in me is like, it's just, a fucking, and, it's just a horrible Mexican standoff in the helicopter. Everybody shoots everybody, <laughs> and everybody ends up dead in the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere for him with that helicopter. No. <laughs> Again, it's shooting it's, it's, all of the instruments. 
<laughs> Fuck the instruments in this movie. You don't need them. <laughs> did the old man die in that? I, I missed that, and that's what I was going to ask you guys. Did he die or did he escape the helicopter? Because I don't think we see him again after this. I think everyone died on the helicopter. I, no. yeah, yeah, I don't remember seeing him again. Because yeah, I the, thought he made it yeah, out. Two, yeah. No, they, no, they both died in the helicopter. That's what I was saying, because they yeah. were just all shooting each other, and everybody died in the helicopter. <laughs> well, I don't even think the old man had a gun. I think he was just in the crossfire. <laughs> yes, he was exactly. Just like, cool, we're going to escape, right? <laughs> um, yeah, because I actually put that in my notes. I'm like, old man dead? Question mark. <laughs> I had no idea if he was alive or dead. Uh, so we cut back into the ship, and the captain stomps an alpha spine, and then proceeds to cut up one of his ankles, the Achilles tendon, so he can't get back up. And that's when the captain decides himself is dead. He might as well bring Ill back to the Chief Eo. And that's when he cuts open Alpha's neck, and now Ill and the captain are fighting. So now they're having their bout on the ship. You know, they get outside of the ship, and for a moment, the captain gets the upper hand and manages to stab Ill in the face. But Ill fights back, and they end up stabbing at each other until eventually they both fall overboard into the sea. And that's when we cut to the same POW camp from 1933, but it's long since been yeah. abandoned. It's presumed that the captain and Ill were found, but we don't know yet. Um, we see a group of people walking through this abandoned POW camp, and they recommend that these people that are currently locked inside stay there rather than going back to Korea. And then we reach a cell where an arm reaches out, and it's like a weird like, beast animal sound that comes out as this inmate's grabbing at the guy, and he's like, don't worry about it. It's cool. Like, he'll stop. And it's like a weird, like, weird kind of like pig noise. Like, I was trying to figure out what the sound was. I was like, it's like a weird pig-wolf hybrid noise of this guy reaching out to the guy, but, you know, it has no effect on him. Um, they reach a cell, and once they reach it, there's a young guy in there. He looks like a preteen. He also has a glowing blue eye, and this turns out to be Ill's child. He was spared by the captain <gasps> and locked away at the camp. What? Twist. Oh, my what? fucking God. What? <laughs> twist. Well, let's do the twist again like Chubby Checker wanted us to do because we got one. Um, and we see Ill emerge from the sea. He, miss, he eventually makes his way back onto the beach, and then he starts walking along the beach, and that's it. The end. So he, I, I kind of wish that he had ended up on the beach and all of a sudden he's looking at the POW camp and being like, oh, shit. <laughs> he just walks along the beach. And then they go to yeah, they should I have was kind of surprised. They should have done something to tie this into, you know, a continuation. Like you were saying, happened to wash up and there he was <laughs> at the establishment, you know, at the, at the camp, you know, something, yeah. you know. Or uh, you know, it or was, yeah. you know, on the co- on the coast and uh, up the you know, uh, rocky past, you know, is the evil fortress. You know, he's made it. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something to show that there's a continuation, um, because we don't know if the captain survived. Like, if he's dead for sure, because you would think him being super strong, he probably would have survived, just like ill. But they kind uh-huh. of like that. And I know that uh, Kim Hoon Sun, the director had stated that he wants to do a prequel and he also wants to do a sequel to this. I would rather see a sequel, not a prequel, because we get everything we need to know in the movie. Like, there's no real reason for a prequel. 
Like, we get yeah. it. Like, they were experimented on. They were guinea pigs. They were trying to make super soldiers. And it didn't work. You know, so I... I mean, you know, I don't know how well this movie did <clears throat> because I, I don't know if it was released in theaters. Um, like, Dean, you had just found it, and you're like, fuck yeah, dude, I want to cover it. So I don't know anything yeah, about there was, it like, as like, far as... I can't yeah. remember what, what the article was. And like I said, there was something about the description where I was like, oh, yeah, this one is for me. Or pick for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, see, obviously, he has uh, big ideas to make a prequel and a sequel. And, and I could see a sequel, I guess, because they do set it up. They, they sequel bait you with that kid. Sequel is set like, up. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, like, they, they give it to you. Like, it's not over. Like, obviously, it, it, there is a story here, which I kind of appreciated. They give you that little twist at the end where it's like the kid actually wasn't killed. He was actually saved and put into the program. Um, and we're going to see what happens with him. So, you know, a, a sequel, definitely not a prequel. I'll be like, dude, you covered it. <laughs> There's not much story there. Like, oh, we're going to go tell you more stories about Alpha and how he was like uh, the Korean Wolverine. And you know, No, again, just give us the yeah. sequel. <laughs> yeah. Finish the story here. So, yeah, we'll see. And like I said, yeah, it was, it, you know, again, I didn't hate this movie. It was just, it was so hard doing notes to cover all the fucking deaths because like the Dean said, there's like 76 fucking deaths in this movie. So I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, okay. All right, he got shot in the head. All right, he's done. All right, so let's move on. Hey, that guy got his fingers bit off. <laughs> I was, like, frantically writing down how all these people died. I'm like, wow, like, there's just so much. But it's like by the end of the movie, I was just so tired of all the blood. I'm like, man, <laughs> that was just a lot. And you I were only tired because you were having to take notes on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but like I've said on the show before, like, it doesn't matter how long the movie is. Like, it, it could be an hour and a half. It could be two hours. It takes me easily three to four hours to completely, like, get through it because I'm always breaking down things that happen in the movie. Like, I break it up. I, I, I spend, like, two days easily doing the movie just because I want to get everything right and I want to do the narration right. So, yeah, this movie, it, I started on Sunday. I didn't finish it until Tuesday because I just I broke it up in bits because I wanted to make sure everything was was right, just because it's a Korean movie. So I want to make sure, like, I got all the characters' names right. And then I kept forgetting who they were. <laughs> I went through the movie, like, the female inmate, she had a name. I just forgot it. The old man had a name. I forgot it. <laughs> you know, but I was like, it's fine. I'll just call them old man inmate and female inmate. Like, they're just, I, I wish they had done more of the female inmate. Like, I felt like there was more of a story there for her, but they just kind of put her in the back seat. So, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll make her interesting. Like, she killed her husband and in-laws, like, just, She's a killer. Like, I wanted to see her do more than just take a shit and be like, I'm cool. So you're saying you wanted to see, so you're saying you wanted to see more killing is what you're saying. No, I wanted to see her do more. Not just <laughs> killing. I wanted to see that character do more. Because injury. Even injury. Even Day, severe injury. If not killing, we'll let her dead. Even Gunday, like, it just, he, he was a cool kind of character at the beginning, but they don't really give him much to do. That's why I was like, there's so many people in this movie. Like, it is a large cast movie. So it's to, you know, there was characters I wanted to see have more. Like, you know, even, even the nurse, like, it seemed like they were trying to do something with her. Like, make her all sexy, wearing her little teddy and shit like that. But yet, no, she gets killed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's fine, you know. But, uh, you know, she could have been, you know, beaten up by the inmates. Who knows? Like, there could have been a whole thing. But now they just decided to do what they do. Um, so, yeah, it's... 
it was a uh, you know kind of a disjointed story in some ways. I mean, it's not terrible. Like I, I mean, if you're looking for something bloody and, and gross like the sadness, I would definitely recommend it. Um, just I don't know. It's just one of those movies. Where I'm like, God, it was so long. Like I remember at like the hour and forty minute mark, I'm like, there's more movie left. <laughs> Haven't we done everything? Like. I was like, but no, it, it's fine. It, it was, it was good. I, mean, I always appreciate picks, um, you know, no matter what they are. And I was kind of glad to see it because I know a lot of podcasts recently were talking about Project Wolf Hunting. Like, there's a pro, uh, podcast what's to do called uh, Colors of the Dark. And like, we're talking about Project Wolf Hunting. I'm like, okay, cool. So obviously, it's got word of mouth. So again, you know, Dean, you know, thank you for the pick as always. Um, next week, hopefully, the goal will be back. And he'll be back with us to talk about Creed 3, hopefully spoiler-free, and also his thoughts on Cocaine Bear. Uh, but next week, uh, the pick returns to me. Um, so real quickly, yes, uh, Dean, don't hang up yet because we're not done. I'm not hanging up. The pick goes uh, to me. I was going to pick a movie that's from 2022, but I feel like we've been doing too many of those. Like we did no, There's no such and thing, man. You pick movie, whatever, whatever makes you happy. You make no, yeah, no. man. And I am. I'm, yeah, I'm go ahead. Picking Re- fucking, I thought I, you. I thought you were declaring. I thought you were declaring revenge pick, man. Come on. No, I, <laughs> no. This isn't a revenge pick. No, this is an absolute. This is an absolutely not a revenge pick. This is me thinking. Listen, we've been doing a lot of 2022. I want to get back into the wayback machine. I love 2022. I had a lot of good horror movies, but I want to go back in time. I want to go back to the 80s. Uh, Shudder has this movie that I absolutely love. It's fucking batshit insane. It's so, it's bloody, it's silly, it's weird. It's from Mexico, uh, directed by Ruben Galindo Jr., whose father directed the Santo movies back in the day. So he has credibility in the horror genre with his father. So it's a movie called Don't Panic from 1987. It's on Shudder. Monkey, it's available on YouTube if you can't find it the way that you normally do. Uh, there is uh, a link. I'll send it to you if you can't find it. Uh, so let me know if you can't find it. I will send you the YouTube link. Uh, Dean, it is on Shutter, but it's called Don't Panic from 1987. Uh, it takes place in Mexico City. It, it's demonic. It's possession. It's about a 17-year-old who wears child pajamas. You're going to see okay. that. What Come the on. fuck is going on? So let's go. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about next week. I, I, you know, again, I hope you guys like it. If you don't, I don't care because I could fucking love this movie. So let's talk about Don't Panic <laughs> from 1987, directed by Ruben Galindo Jr., a great Mexican horror director from the 80s that I can't wait to introduce you guys to next week on the show. So we'll be talking about that next week. But as always, Dean, thank you so much for your pick. Uh, I'm going to go I... ahead and have Monkey sign himself off. Yep, go ahead. Well, I was going to say um, that I just added this film to my uh, Shutter list and will be looking forward to watching it. And given that we still have uh, a few minutes on, on the clock here, I do want to say, yeah, uh, yeah. winding back to what had been uh, you know, part of our discussion at the top of the show, uh, if you guys get mm-hmm. the opportunity, you should definitely check out um, you know, Rocky Balboa and the Creed films. I do want to just give a reminder there. Uh, you, it, it's it's, yeah, it's totally wanna. worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, from what you told me, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. Now. Very like cool. Like I said, I have not seen anything past Rocky Five. You know, that's, that's as far as I went with Rocky. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where he's at in Rocky Balboa and then checking out the Creed movies. Even with Creed Three, I love Jonathan Majors ever since I saw him in Ant-Man. And to see him be the, the villain in Creed Three, I'm like, I'm actually have to see Creed Three because I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Majors because of that movie. So 
it looks like he's going to play a good foil for uh, Adonis. So, but yes, I will definitely be checking out those movies. So, Monkey, well, I'm going to have you. Kind of related. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, no, related to that, you had shared on the group today about the uh, the the Rocky Channel on Pluto, and I yes, just happened yeah. to open it up and looking at the Rocky Channel, it looks like at um, is it eleven. 30 later at 8 30 i guess uh, i guess it's my time or maybe 11 30 your time on the rocky channel rocky balboa is starting but it looks like you can watch it on demand really? on pluto yeah oh well, yeah because they're going to play all the rocky movies i think so i think yeah rocky balboa would be included that's awesome because it's going to be a 24-hour channel of nothing but rocky so i'm kind of excited to check that channel out and hopefully catch rocky balboa when it's on because i love pluto like i told you guys in the group chat plenty of great channels but mm-hmm. uh yeah, so anyway, Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? All right. Thanks for listening, Fright fans, and letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Mwah. <laughs> and thank you so much, guys, for listening to us talk about uh, the movie for tonight, Project Wolf Hunting, not Operation Wolf Hunting. Uh, looking forward to having you guys back here for my film pick of the week, Don't Panic from 1987. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, thanking you so much for this episode. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous, keep America strong, watch horror movies, and we'll see you back here next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>